Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Off the bat, I'm talking about I'm just like one minute into being up here, and I'm going to challenge each and every person that's in this room, because I'm going to actually challenge you to give us one year of your life. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like to say, hey, I, I want to encourage you to get planted. And if you're not planted in a life-giving church right now, if you are planted in a life-giving church somewhere in this city, awesome. Stay planted there. We love every church in the city and we celebrate every church in the city. But if you're not planted, if you're not committed, if you're not all in with a church somewhere in this city, I want to encourage you and I want to invite you to get planted here. And I want to encourage you just to say, hey, one year of your life, go all in, run the play. And here's what I guarantee you. I guarantee you that your life will be different and I guarantee you it will be better if you do that. And, and, and here's my guarantee. Here's my guarantee. If it's not after one year, okay, I'm talking about like September 16, 2019, we can have a conversation. And if it's not better, I'll go to church with you somewhere else, okay? But I believe so much in what we're doing here. I believe with all my heart that, that if you do that, your life is going to be radically transformed, that you'll look a lot more like Jesus, and our city's going to be a better place. And so I just want to challenge you that. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, I would love if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. So if you, have, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We have one really big one that's going to be right here, okay? And so we're going to put everything from the Bible up on the screen so that you can see it. We love our Bibles. Um, but while you're turning, I want to invite you here next week. Um, I promise you don't want to miss next week. It's going to be fun. We're actually starting our very first series as a church. And so we're going to start a series that, that we've called, I Was Made for More. And so if you've ever felt that, if you've ever experienced, if you've ever had that moment, maybe sitting at a cubicle and you're like, you know what? I just feel like I was made for more. The good news is the Bible talks a whole lot about that. And so we're going to take four weeks and talk about that God does have more for your life and that you were made for more. And so we're going to start that next week. But today I had a lot of time, a lot of time to pray and to think about what we're going to talk about at, at Launch Sunday. And I felt God lead me to Matthew chapter seven. And so before we read this passage, I would love to kind of set the scene that we're going to read because it's very early in the public ministry of Jesus. And what we're about to read, Jesus is actually preaching a sermon, but it's not just any sermon. It's his most famous sermon of all time. It's called, it's called the, the, uh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm blanking out. It's, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's actually three chapters in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. And this whole sermon is the, actually the longest recorded teaching of Jesus in the Bible. And it includes some really awesome stuff, some things that are even in like pop, in like culture. And so it includes things like the Beatitudes or the Lord's Prayer. If you've ever prayed that, it's in this sermon. The golden rule, you know, treat other people as you would have them treat you. That's in there. The light of the world, you're a light of the world, a city on a hill that can't be hidden. That's in that sermon. Turn the other cheek, go the, go the second mile, love your enemies, and so much more. And at the very end of that sermon, I'm talking about like the end of the sermon, the keys player is probably on stage setting the tone. You know, he's about to, he's about to land the plane. 
after all those things, after all those amazing teachings, after all those incredible things. And it's like this very end, Jesus is saying, after all that, after you're the light of the world, after the Lord's prayer, after go the second mile, he's like, don't miss this. Don't miss this last thing. And we pick it up in Matthew chapter seven, in verse 24. And here's what it says. The Bible says, and this is Jesus talking. These are in my Bible, they're, they're, they're red. So every time words are red, like I really listen to it, okay? It says verse, verse, in verse 24, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. So now we know what those are. That sermon, if anybody who hears those words of mine and puts them into practice, who just doesn't hear it, but does it. Anybody that does that is like a wise man. Anybody want to be wise here? Anybody show hands? It's okay. You can show your hands in church. That's cool. Okay. Wise is a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, meaning a storm came and blew against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew that that same storm came and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And then the secret desire of every preacher, in verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And then verse 29, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. So for the next few minutes, I want to talk over the topic of what we all have in common. So maybe if you're taking notes and you want to write down that sermon title, it's, I really felt like today, you know, in a, in a world that so often divides us, on launch Sunday, let's talk about what we all have in common. That no matter your age, no matter your race, your gender, your political party, what you voted for, your sexual orientation, how much money you make, which side of town you live on, or what high school you went to. Today, I want to talk about what we all have in common. Okay, let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for today. And God, right now, we invite you in over the next few minutes to speak to us. God, we don't want to play church. We want to lean in and not hear from a person, but hear from God who created the heavens and the earth. So we give you permission to speak. And my prayer, my bold prayer, is that each and every person that walked in here walks out different than when they walked in. God, speak to us. We love you. And it's through Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, just by a show of hands, how many of you enjoy building? You enjoy to build stuff, you know, like use tools, you know, get your hands dirty. Like there's some people in this room that does that. See, my oldest son, Jordan, right now loves to build and his jam is Legos. I'm talking about my my little seven-year-old can build like 12, 13, 14-year-old Legos and they're all over my house and sometimes you step on one and it's awful. It's awful. But, But like he can build Legos all day, every day. He's obsessed But as for me, just a moment of honesty in church, I believe church should be the safest place to be honest about anything. Man, I hate building stuff. I'm awful at it. I mean, like I'm awful at it. I never do it right. 
I never have the right tools. And every single time without fail, I end up one, breaking whatever I'm trying to build. It could be brand new. I break it. And then two, I end up getting in a fight with whoever I'm building it with, you know? And can I tell you the absolute worst? The absolute worst. And, and, and I'm going to be preaching right now in church, okay? Is Ikea furniture. Oh my gosh. The absolute worst is Ikea furniture. So I, so uh, my family and I, we moved here in January and moved to Cincinnati and we sold a lot of our stuff in this whole church planning process. And so when we came here, we didn't have much stuff. And so we bought a house that's literally right down the street. And, um, and so we didn't have anything to put in it though. So we did what every people that are economically responsible and on a budget did to go get some furniture. We went to Ikea. Now I had never been to Ikea up until this point. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, that I was getting myself into this maze of furniture that looked amazing, but took seven hours to get through that was because it was the size of a mall. I mean, like, it's like the size of a mall. It's just furniture and they're all cool. And it's like, it's cheap. And it's like, yeah, let's get that. Let's get that. Let's put that in the cart. But what cart? We don't even have a cart. You get it later. And then so it's like, I don't know if I'm paying for this now. I don't know. Just get it. Just get it. Let's get it. Why not? You know? And so we just got all these things and then we finally got all the boxes and they're tiny. Like these boxes are somehow, they all fit in my Camry. Like it's crazy. <laughs> and all these boxes come in and there's, there's, we got so many boxes around my house when we finally got there, we open them up and there's hundreds of pieces, hundreds of just, of just shelves and nails and screws. And it's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces. And then we get the directions out. We look at the directions and guys, somebody tell me that, that like, this is true, right? There are literally no words, no words in the directions of any Ikea furniture. It's awful. It's awful. It's like just pictures of these happy men that are building things, you know? And it's like, what? <laughs> I'm convinced that there's a place in hell where you have to build Ikea furniture all day long. Just that's, that's your punishment. Go over here, build this, build the shelf. Okay, it's huge. Do that. <laughs> but whether you like to build or not, Jesus in Matthew chapter seven, he uses a metaphor that's all about building. And there's three specific things from Matthew chapter seven that I would love to highlight that I believe that every single person in this room has in common. That it doesn't matter what your background is or, or even where you are in your specific spiritual journey, whether you maybe have never made a decision to follow Jesus or maybe you've been following Jesus your whole life. I think there's three things from this passage that we all have in common. And here's number one, maybe you wanna write this down, is that we are all building a house. Every single one of us, we are all building a house and the house simply represents our life. So in other words, we are all building a life. All of us, we're building a life. And in this text, in this, in this passage of scripture, Jesus describes two very specific types of people. And all of us fit into one of those, these two categories. In the first, he describes people that build their house on what he calls the rock. And in verse 24, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so when I read a scripture like this, here's my first question. Okay, so what in the world is the rock? 
And this is what it says in the Bible. So if you take the narrative of scripture, if you take it all the way from Genesis to Revelation, you'll see this language of this rock language all throughout scripture. And I just highlighted two to maybe help us understand what this is. In Psalm 118 and verse 22 in the Old Testament, this is what it says. It says, the stone, the rock that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone, the rock. And then it says this in Acts chapter four, hundreds of years later in the New Testament, it says, for Jesus, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures, in what we just read in Psalm 118, for Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone, the rock that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Church, the rock is Jesus. It's who he is. It's what he teaches. It's the life that he offers. It's his way of life. And in verse 24, it describes people that build their entire life on Jesus. Not religion. They're not building their life on religion, but the very foundation of their life that everything else is built on is Jesus. And by the way, that's why we exist as a church. That if you take a look at the mission of our church is we want to help people do that. And so even I put up our mission because I wanted you to see it. And basically what that means is it answers the question, why do we exist? And so why we exist as a church is to reach all people, all people. So yeah, that includes you. That we want to be able to, and that also includes the person that you would think that would never go go to church. The person that right now you're thinking of, you're like, really him? Yeah, him. Yes, her, to reach all people, that if you have a pulse in this city, and we're passionate about every single 2.1 million people that are in the greater Cincinnati area, and we love them, and so we want to reach all people and teach them, here's what, to have a relationship with God, not religion, not do's and don'ts, but a relationship with God, because here's what we believe, that a relationship with God, it only gets better and better, that it never goes in reverse. So that's why we exist as a church. But Jesus describes these people that build their house on the rock, that build their house on Jesus. And then he describes a second group of people. And it's people that build on sand. In verse 26, it says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. So the question is, what is sand? And church, listen. That if Jesus is the rock, everything else is sand. If Jesus is the rock, man, I've just learned that everything else is sand. That if, if you're building your life on anything but Jesus, you are building on sand. And so maybe some examples could be like relationships, like Maybe even marriage, relationship with kids, like your family. I'm building my, if you're building, it's awesome. It's great. I'm thankful for my family. I love my wife with all my heart, but it's sand. That maybe you're building your life on your career or money or possessions or stuff or climbing the corporate ladder or getting the best 401k that you can. If you're doing that, it's awesome. And that stuff is great, but it is sand. That maybe you're chasing popularity or status, or fame, is sand. If Jesus is the rock, everything else is sand. And every single one of us, 
is building our life, our house on one of those two things. There is no comfortable middle. There's either rock or sand. So number one, we are all building a house. And here's number two, we will all go through storms. Every single one of us. We have that in common, is that we will all go through storms. And storms simply represent hard things in life. And so this is verse 25, talking about people that build their house on the rock. And it says, the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew. The storm came and beat against that house. And then it says in verse 27, two verses later, talking about the the house that's built on sand, the same rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. In other words, that every single person, including you and I, will go through the hard things of life. We will go through storms. That there's going to be times where maybe we experience the loss of someone that we love or maybe that we're close to. Maybe there's, we're going to experience an unexpected diagnosis from a doctor or maybe financial challenges or getting ourselves like over our head in debt. There's going to be times where we have job transitions or maybe layoffs. So there's going to be, maybe we've experienced divorce, maybe kids going through a rebellious streak. What I've learned is that nobody is exempt from the storms of life, no matter what foundation we build on. And here's what I've learned about storms. Storms are often unpredictable and uncontrollable. That literally right now, a massive storm is hitting the east coast of our country. And our thoughts and prayers go out to every single person that's affected right now. But even with all our modern technology and all our smarts and all the people with degrees, we couldn't control it. We couldn't predict it. You know, and even what the things that we were thinking that we were predicting, all of a sudden we could be able to say that, you know, it could shift or it could change. Even I think a couple days ago, it went from being a hurricane to a tropical storm. And in life, no matter how many resources we have or, how the, like, or no matter how smart we are, the storms of life cannot be predicted or controlled by us. They are unpredictable and uncontrollable. And so sometimes what my fear is, is that we buy into the lie that if we build our house on Jesus, and if we build our house on the rock, that all of a sudden we will no longer experience hard things. No more problems, no more issues, no more drama, no more storms. That life will just be easy. But Jesus himself in John chapter 16 and verse 33, listen to what it says. Jesus talking, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. Not that you might, not that you could. And I, I'm sorry, you're so encouraged. Probably you came to church, you know, it's like, hey, go, you know, if you would bow your head. No, 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 that's not, we're going to end it. Because what's cool is that Jesus doesn't end there. Yes, he does say that in this world you will have trouble, but he also says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so I want you to see this because this is what I've learned is that Jesus doesn't promise you an easier life, but he does promise you a better life. That Jesus, that he doesn't promise you an easier life, but, but I promise you, he does promise you a better life. And so number one, we're all building a house. Number two, we will all experience storms. But then number three, we will all experience those storms based on how we build our house. So we're all building a house. We will all experience storms. But how we experience those storms 
are based on how we build our house. And we'll go back and read it through one more time so you can see it. We'll put it all together. Jesus says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, on Jesus. The storms came, the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, anything but Jesus. And the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. And here's the deal. As I started reading through this passage, something became very clear to me that you cannot choose if you experience storms, but you can choose how you experience storms. In fact, put this on the screen. The storm, it doesn't reveal what you built, but how you built it. So the storm that is coming, it doesn't reveal your house because we're all building that. In fact, you could be building it on the rock and there could be somebody else that builds their house on sand and it could look very similar. But when that storm comes, it does reveal how you built it and what you built it on. And so the storm, it doesn't reveal what you built, but how you built it. And if you build your house, your life on the rock, on Jesus, your house will stand through the storms. But if you build your house on sand, anything else, your house won't stand through the storms. So a little bit about my story. I grew up in church. Um, We were there every single time the doors were open. Um, But my church experience led me to believe that Christianity was about a bunch of rules and regulations and this legalistic checklist of do's and don'ts. And um, I'll put it this way. I knew a lot about God but I didn't have a relationship with God. I don't know if that makes sense. That was so foreign to me, but everything changed for me on June 25th, 1999, on the back porch of Burton Bible Building at Lipscomb University, on that back porch, I made the decision to give my whole life to Jesus, everything. I made the decision on that day to build my house on the rock, on the rock of Jesus. I went all in and everything changed in my life. But if I were going to be honest, like for the first 32 years of my life, I didn't really experience any significant storms of life. But remember, nobody is exempt from storms. And so five years ago, everything changed in my life. Five years ago, I got a phone call from my dad. And on that phone call, he told me that after 42 years of marriage, that he and my mom were gonna get a divorce. And something that was so consistent in my life up until that point was my family. It was so consistent. It was such a, a bedrock of, and I learned something very deeply in that moment that it is sand. Because if I was building my life on that, my house would come down. But in one phone call, a storm came and I had all these questions and maybe some of you can relate. Because the truth is, it doesn't matter how old you are, divorce is tough. And statistically, a lot of people in this room have gone through that in some way, shape, or form. And it's tough. 
It's hard. And my mind was flooded with questions like, where are my parents going to live? And what are holidays going to look like? And how would this affect my kids growing up? And with one phone call, I found myself in the middle of a storm. But in that same year, when our oldest son, Jordan, was two years old, um, he started experiencing some developmental delays. And in fact, here was the kind of the season of life. Um, this picture is my favorite picture in the world. It's still my favorite picture in the world. Five years later. Because how many of you know, sometimes you can see something on social media and it's very easy to like it. But there's always something going behind it. There's always a story behind that. And in that story, while that was awesome and it got a lot of likes on Instagram, by the way, be very careful that you're comparing your life to people's highlight reels on social media. Because if you'd have done that to mine, you'd be like, oh my goodness, look at that family, amazing. But really, we were going through the hardest season that we've ever been through as a family, ever, right there in the middle of that. But why that picture means so much to me is this, is because I saw something in that little boy's eyes right there. I saw that God had a plan and a purpose for him. Because at that time, we started experiencing some developmental delays. And at first we thought it was just a phase, that it was something that he was just gonna grow out of, you know, like the terrible twos, but he didn't. In fact, things just kept getting worse and harder and harder and harder. And so we decided to, to get him looked at and to take him to doctors and to get things checked out. And after a lot of testing, doctors gave us an unexpected diagnosis. Sitting across from a doctor, he told my wife and I that our oldest son, Jordan, was diagnosed on the autism spectrum. And in one moment, there was something that was going on before and life was one way. In one moment, one conversation, one sentence, one meeting, one moment and everything changed and we were face to face with the biggest storm that we've ever faced in our life and we were immediately if I just honestly we were hit with paralyzing fear like we didn't know what this meant for him or our family we felt like so much insecurity like could we even be the parents the mom and dad that he needed us to be and just wrestling with the realities of having a special needs son. But during that time, God just kept speaking, Matthew chapter seven, to my heart and to my soul. It was like over and over again, God just kept speaking that that passage of scripture that we read, that Matthew chapter seven, and he kept encouraging me, just don't stop building your life on Jesus. Don't quit, don't stop. God reminded me over and over and over again that even though the storm was very real, that my house would not fall because it was built on the rock. And listen, during that time, the prom- even though as hard as it was, the promises of God have never been more real into, in my life that I experienced right there in the middle of a diagnosis that was so unexpected to our family that right there in that moment, I experience a supernatural peace that can only come from God. That scripture says it passes all my understanding. It didn't even make sense. And it didn't make sense to anybody else either. 
experienced that peace. I experienced the joy of the Lord being my strength. Things that you read about over and over again in scripture. I just didn't read about it. I lived it. And I experienced those things. And in fact, right there in that season, guys, get this, in the middle of that storm, out of nowhere, God spoke to me for the first time about planning a church. For the first time, God spoke to me out of nowhere. I'd never thought about it before that moment in the middle of that storm about this. Here's the only way I can describe it. And it's try, I promise I'm not trying to be funny. I felt like I got pregnant. <laughs> it's like I couldn't ignore it. And it just kept getting bigger, you know? <laughs> and so that led us on a process as a family and this crazy four-year adventure that led us to moving to Cincinnati in January. And I want you to know that we know, not that we think, not that we feel, we know that we are home, that God has given us, yeah. Listen, God has given us a supernatural love for the city, a supernatural love for the city. And here's what that means to me. That means in January, when we moved our stuff off a U-Haul truck, and before we went to Ikea, before that, that we might as well be looking for our burial plot because we're gonna love and serve this city to the day we die. And listen, right there in the middle of that storm, I experienced more passion and purpose and calling than I could ever have imagined all birth right in the middle of the biggest storm of my life. In church, I've learned that some of the greatest lessons come from our most challenging storms. That just because something is hard, it doesn't make it bad. That we live in a culture that says bad is, is like, like, like hard is bad. But I've learned that just because something is hard, it doesn't make it bad. And as for Jordan, my boy, I couldn't be more proud to stand on this platform and say that over the last four years, God has done nothing short of a miracle in our little boy, that he's taken so many steps towards health and healing. Oh, I promise you, it's about to get better if you want to hold on to that, because in fact, right now, he is crushing first grade. He's hitting all his academic and social goals and is fully transitioned to general education, no special needs. Now you can clap and give God praise. Here's a picture of his first day of school. And he wants to be a scientist that is super smart and explores space, probably in a Lego, okay? I do that, but here's what we believe. We believe that God's not even done with him, just like he's not done in our city, that I believe with all my heart that it's just going to keep getting better and better and better and that the best is yet to come. Amen? Hey, if you would, would you close your eyes and bow your head? It's right here in this moment. I'm just gonna ask that you don't be a distraction to anybody to your left or to your right. And I just simply want you to ask right now there in this private moment, God, what are you speaking to me right now? That we have a God that loves to speak so what are you speaking to me? In other words, what does your response need to be to today, to this message? Because we believe as a church that our Sundays should always affect our Mondays. 
So how is life gonna look different tomorrow because of what we just got to experience today? So for many of you, your response to this message needs to be to make the decision that I made on June 25th, 1999, to build your life on Jesus, to get saved, to make the decision to follow Jesus. And maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you're here and maybe you're brand new to this whole church thing and somebody drug you here and you didn't even know what you were getting into. Or maybe some of you, you've made that decision in the past, but you've gone off and you've done your own thing and you've lived life your own way. And today, you know that God is calling you back and he's calling you to say, hey, stop building your life on sand and build your life on the rock. And we want you to give the opportunity. We wanna give you the opportunity today to make the most important decision of your life to follow Jesus, to build your entire life on the rock. And we're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna make you come forward. We're not gonna embarrass you in any way today. If you wanna make that decision to build your life on Jesus, whether it's for the very first time or maybe it's a fresh commitment, today I wanna make that decision. I just simply wanna invite you to pray this prayer right here, right in your seat, and just pray this with me. Just pray, just, God, I thank you so much for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for my rock. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for defeating death for me. And today I repent for my sin. I take a step towards you. I invite you into my heart and I give you my life. I wanna build my entire life on you. And from this moment on, not only will I build my life on the rock, but I commit to follow you with everything that I have for the rest of my life. God, I'm all in. We love you so much and we thank you. It's through Jesus' name that we pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 